Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says, If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You notice the word mystery is occurring several times here in this passage. There are at least 12 mysteries in the Bible. They would be worth our time to go through. Usually I go through something like that in the Bible Institute setting. Three of those mysteries are mentioned in this book of Colossians. The word mystery occurs 27 times in the Bible. It's only in the New Testament. And I believe that that's a real uh, eye-opening truth that what is mysterious to be made known, you couldn't have found that out in the Old Testament. You needed something new to find out the mysteries. And therefore the Lord sent His Son down. But I'll, I'll read the first few. He says here in our text, which is what we're going to talk about tonight, the mystery which hath been hid. We're going to talk about the hidden mystery tonight. But also in this book, in chapter 2, he says in verse number 2 that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance uh, of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. We won't deal with that. We'll deal with that when we get there. But the mystery of God and of the Father and Christ, this is the great mystery of godliness that he mentions over first timothy chapter 3 and it has to do with the trinity and the incarnation of our lord and that is a great mystery in itself in chapter 4 of the book of colossians he mentions another mystery a different mystery he says in colossians 4 verse 3 with all praying also for us that god would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of christ for which i am also in bonds. If you compare Scripture with Scripture on that, and you'll find out that in chapter 4, verse 3, he's talking about the mystery of the gospel. Because he says, I'm in bonds, and I want you for that cause of that mystery. And I'm praying that there would be an open door for me to continue to preach that. Hold your finger there. I'll just go to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll read another verse so you can Get the context of what I just said, Ephesians chapter 6. You may say, you know, why, why are these mysteries even important for us to know? 
not so we'll just be smarter than everybody, but the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, that the Lord has committed to us these mysteries, and it's required, and we're stewards of the mysteries of God. That's what he, he says. In other words, God has entrusted these secret things to us. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. The things that we know, the rest of the world does not know, and we need to be good stewards of that. That means we need to understand these mysteries, and we also need to speak up for our Lord out of knowledge of them. But in Ephesians chapter 6, he says in verse number 19, And for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds. That goes directly with the verse we read in Colossians chapter 4. He is in bonds for the mystery of the gospel. He calls that the mystery of Christ in Colossians chapter 4 because you understand there is no gospel without Christ. He is, he is the gospel His death, His burial, His resurrection. You say, why is that mysterious? Well, it is mysterious to most of the world because they think they can get their sins taken care of some other way. And so the the death of Christ and the, the burial and the resurrection of Christ is a great mystery to the world. But I would say this, it's not the hidden mystery of our text. Would you go back to our text in Colossians chapter 1? He talks about the mystery which hath been hid. From generations, verse 26, but now is made manifest to his saints. I don't think this is the mystery of the gospel. And I know it's not because of verse 27, but the gospel is not a hidden mystery any longer. Look look up there in verse number 23 at the end of the verse, which is why we read the whole verse. He says, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard. Watch this. And which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. I don't know if you really take note of what he just said. But the gospel went to every... He says, was preached to every creature under, under heaven. So the first generation of the church took the gospel to every creature according to that verse. You say, well, that's impossible. Well, you don't have to understand that. You just have to believe what it said. There's a whole lot of things that happened in the first century of the church we don't have any knowledge about. I mean, all those people preaching in in different languages that they didn't know and people coming across different parts of the world and the Roman Empire and the Romans Road that connected all of society that day. There's a whole lot of ways, and that's not even supernatural ways, let alone those ways that God could get the gospel to every creature, but that's what he says right there. Now we know the Bible said in the Corinthian epistles, if our, if, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. The only way the mystery of the gospel is hidden today is because that nobody is giving it out. Now if in our generation we drop the ball, then it, yeah, it can, it can be a hidden mystery. But he says it was preached to every creature under heaven. Look at chapter one. He, he said that again, just in a different way. He said in verse number 5 of Colossians 1, at the end of the verse, Where have you heard before in the word of the truth the gospel which is coming to you as it is in all the world? 
The gospel got to all the world in the first century. Look at, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Now, now, this is the condemnation to us, brethren. They did not have the money we have. They didn't have all of the means that we have. They couldn't hop on a train or a plane and go somewhere. They didn't have, amen, they didn't have printing presses to print tens and hundreds of thousands and millions of pieces of copy of the Word of God. There was no printing press to even print a Bible. I wonder how much gospel we'd get out if we had to write it all by hand. Well, that puts a little bit into perspective. I wonder if we would even care that much if we had to put that much work into it. My Lord, we, 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 we can't even get up enough energy to go give out a track. Let alone write the book of Romans out. <laughs> they didn't have a printing press. They didn't have anybody to collate anything. They didn't have the free society like we have. That's why they were getting killed everywhere in the first century. How were they able to get the gospel to the whole world? First Thessalonians says it again. They did it. I'm, I'm convinced they did it. He said in First Thessalonians chapter 1, I can't even explain it all, but I believe it because God said it. First Thessalonians chapter 1, he says in verse 5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much church as you know what manner of men you were for your sake. And then drop down to verse uh, number 8. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Paul said, I don't even have to witness to some people because you, you, y'all have already done that. You've already, you've already taken the word of God to people. It's not hidden because you got it out in the public arena. And you, they were persecuted for that. And I don't know, the more I'm talking about this, the more sorry I feel. The more bad I feel about, you know, I can look at the flags and get a little bit of comfort. Amen. I asked Brother Jerry how much money we sent out this month for missions, and it helps me a little bit. Helps me a little bit, you know, when we organize things and we go out and we we do the best we can. But if these people can get the gospel in the whole world, they didn't even have the internet. They don't have a radio station. Mm. You know what they had? That we didn't, that we ain't got the power of God. Could we just admit that they had the fullness of the power of God? Everything else was against them, and they had a heart for it. They were fully one hundred percent committed. So I don't think this is the mystery of the gospel that we're talking about tonight in our text. Go back to chapter one. The mystery of the gospel was preached to every creature. Paul was a minister of it, openly. He says in verse number 24, 
who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. He, he has fulfilled the word of God in giving out the gospel. You remember how he wrote in Romans chapter 2 that God will judge all the secrets of men according to my gospel. He said in Galatians chapter 1 about that gospel that's no longer hidden. He said, the gospel which preached of me, it's not of man. It didn't, I didn't get it from someone else. It came by direct revelation. Galatians chapter 1 verse 11 and verse 12. He got a revelation from, from Jesus himself about the gospel. And he said that was committed unto him, the, the gospel to the, to the uncircumcision, just like the gospel was of, of the circumcision was committed unto Peter. And so he's been preaching to these Gentiles the gospel. He's a minister for that. But he says in verse 24 that he suffered because of it. So the mystery of the gospel caused great suffering. Though it wasn't hidden, that's probably what caused the suffering. It wasn't done in a secret place. You know, we, if we're trying to be secret witnesses, that, that probably won't go very far. If we're open witnesses, it's probably going to result in a cost to pay. He said in verse 24, Who rejoiced now in my sufferings for you? To fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Paul said, he said, he said let no man, uh, how do you word it? He, he said, let no man, uh, I'll just read it to you. He said, judge me anymore because I bear in my body the afflictions of the gospel in his body. Let no man trouble me. Yeah. For, for, him, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. The afflictions of Christ he suffered in his own flesh. Because of his witness. He was such a public witness for the Lord that he was stoned. He was, and he says that I may know him and the. Fellowship of his sufferings, didn't he say that in that text? And you know, we look at that word suffering and we're all afraid of it. And we're all afraid of hard times and nobody wants to be a victim. But what I read in Colossians about his suffering is what I read over and over every place in this early church. He said in verse 24, who now rejoice... In my sufferings for you. He is rejoicing in suffering. Because it's for the Lord. You know what brethren. We can't even rejoice in our blessings sufficiently. He told them in 2 Corinthians. I'll just read it to you. He told them in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse number 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us. So our consolation also abounded by Christ. And whether we be afflicted is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, 
so shall ye be also of the consolation. He said this suffering is a good thing because it helps us experience the comfort and the help of God. What a view of life. I don't, I don't hear that, that very often. You, you look over there in that, those Macedonian churches that had all that, those afflictions, and they just had all that joy. I tell you what, you can't read the New Testament without seeing joy and suffering and affliction and rejoicing all the way together all through there. And I'm telling you, they suffered because they were giving out the mystery of the gospel. They were suffering for their witness. They were suffering for their testimony. They were suffering for their identification. We live in a day where everybody wants to identify as something, right? I wish saved people would identify as a Christian. <laughs> I got sent something today that I, I didn't even look at it because I, I thought it was a joke. And somebody had me pull it back up. You know there are people that are identifying as dogs. Did you know that there was a conference of all the dog people over in Europe? Dog people. And they howled. I mean, there were hundreds of them out there. All had on dog masks. They say they're dogs. They identify as dogs. Yeah, sure. Well, Paul called a bunch of them dogs in the Bible. But here's the question. Why can't we identify as born-again people? Well, why? We've got to let our light shine. Get it out there. And you don't have to be obnoxious to do that. You just have to be unashamed. Unashamed of your Bible. Unashamed of your Lord. And it, you, it, it probably costs you something. But it may bring you joy. Maybe we don't have any joy because we are unwilling to suffer. Maybe our lack of rejoicing is because it's been so long since we have suffered any hardship and had a good attitude with it that we don't know how to rejoice when everything is blessed. Amen. i tell you what, that, that just goes back to that complaining thing. But I know that's not the message tonight, but that's sort of starting where it's headed. But I'm just saying that they weren't hiding who they were. They were not high, the gospel was not hidden. It was way out there, and this guy is suffering because of it. But they're rejoicing at the, he's not asking for pity. He's blessed because of it. He says, you're getting a blessing too. Rejoice in my sufferings. <laughs> I tell you what, I can, it's easier for me, look at verse 24, Colossians 1. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. It's easier for me to rejoice in your sufferings for Jesus than it is for me to rejoice in my sufferings for Jesus. You see that? Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind the afflictions of Christ and my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. <clears throat> I tell you what, if they drug us out here, out in the public square and started beating us with whips, we probably wouldn't complain about the air conditioning. If they start grabbing our kids and taking them away from us, and then when we try to stop them, then they put us in prison. And we're in prison, sitting in prison there. We probably would not have a problem 
with whatever we're currently having a problem with. So what's the answer? I think the answer is just to keep getting that gospel out and trusting God that if I'll do what God wants me to do, he'll bring the joy and rejoicing and the peace in my life. Go back to Colossians chapter 1. There's another mystery here. He said in verse 24, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Now that is also a mystery, though we didn't call it that in this text. In verse number 18, he talked about he's the head of the body, the church. Hold your finger right there and go to Ephesians 3. I'll just read this and then we'll move on to what we're trying to talk about tonight in our text, the hidden mystery. Ephesians chapter 3, the Bible says in verse number 2, Paul writes in Ephesians 3, 2, If you have heard the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation... He made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. He mentions this mystery. Nobody else knew about this. Nobody else talked about this. The mystery that Gentiles would be in the same body with Jewish people and that body would be the body of Jesus Christ. That's a mystery. To say that I am in Christ. That's very mysterious. Uh... To say, and the privilege of that as a Gentile, I'm, 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 my birthright doesn't, you know, as an American or as a, a white man or whatever, I have no right to, 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 to be included in, into Christ. But he said, the mystery of this body, the mystery of the body, the mystery of the church, the church is not a building, the church is a living organism. It's a body that's moving. And it's not just made up of the people that are sitting in a church house. Because the people that are in the church, which is the body of Jesus, are only people that are born again. Somebody can walk in this church and come into this church, amen, every time the door's open, but that does not mean that they're part of the body, the church, the body which is Jesus Christ. You get into that mysteriously by being born again and you're baptized into that body and that ain't water. That's not water. That's the Holy Ghost putting you in the body of Jesus. It's mysterious. I'm in Jesus right now. That's why the Bible tells me I'm seated in heaven. I'm already there. Because I'm in Christ. I've been placed in His body. Wherever His body is, that's where I'm at. When He died, I died. When he rose from the dead, I rose from the dead. When he ascended up into heaven, I ascended up into heaven. If he's up there with the Father and that's his home, then I'm up there with the Father and that's my home. You say, I don't see that. Well, that's the mystery of it. We're in his body, but that's not the hidden mystery of our text. Would you look at verse 26, Colossians 1, 26. 
even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generation, but now, generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me say, some people try to simplify, simplify the Bible, but this mystery is not what I just said. Me being in Christ is not the same as Christ being in me. That's another, and it's not the same as the gospel. The mystery, I am glad that I know the gospel and I've been born again by the power of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. But the Lord could have saved me without ever moving in. You understand? The Lord could have put me in the church, in his body, and not moved on the inside. Christ in you. He said, man, this is glory for the Gentiles for the first time in their life. They got something holy on the inside. Christ is inside of them. Literally. Not just me in Christ, but Christ in me. That's mysterious. I'm possessed. Now, I know a lot of people possessed with somebody else. But I'm possessed. I have another person living inside of me. Literally. I'm not spiritualizing that. There's some theologians that are right. Yes, spiritually speaking, the Lord is just with you. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ lives inside of me bodily. You say, wait a minute, that, that's impossible because Jesus is one person and if he lives inside you, how could he live inside somebody else and live inside of millions of people? Well, it's easy to answer that because Jesus is God, number one. And you remember when he was walking on the face of the earth and in John chapter 3 he looked to Nicodemus and he not only blew his mind saying, about being born again, which Nicodemus had no idea what he was talking about. But then he said, he said the Son of Man, that's himself, was in heaven. In other words, he's talking to Nicodemus, and he said, they're going to lift me up on a cross. He said, but I won't just let you know that I'm also in heaven while I'm talking to you. He's not limited Now, the great thing about Christ being in me means that everywhere I go, He's right there. And I think sometimes we're not good stewards of this mystery. I think we live our lives sometimes like Jesus is not there. Guys, if He's inside, He's looking at your eyes, at whatever you're looking at. He's going wherever you're going. He hears whatever you're hearing, whatever you're So tell me, how in the world can we really have a good hold of this mystery that Christ is in us when we act like we act? We do things in secret and think he doesn't know about it. We say things that he, we think he doesn't hear. 
We do things we think he can't see. What a glorious thing for Jesus to be inside of me. But, oh, that's pretty heavy, too. Yeah. By the way, that's also that's how I know I'm saved, too. You know, when I sin against God, there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. That's a Bible verse. When I sin, just like you sin, when I sin, the man inside talks to me. And if when you sin, there is nobody inside talking to you, you need to find some help. Christ in you. Guys, I'm not saying saved people can't do anything a lost person can do. I know what the Bible says about that. You think you, him that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. I understand that. Restore such an one the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also. I understand all that. And I know we're capable of that. But there is something uniquely different about a born-again individual and a lost individual. Jesus is inside. And because he's inside, I just can't do whatever I want to do without him speaking up. Now, I can... I can try to ignore it, but I hear it. I may not obey it, but I know he's there. It's just like amen in a worship service. If you've never had the man inside tugging on your heart, I'd check up. I'm not talking about living on some, on some charismatic plane, but look guys. The truth is that being saved is mysterious. It, it's, not, it's not something on the outside. It's not going through the motions. There's a man on the inside of people that are saved. So the question is, is Christ in you? And if he, he is, we ought to acknowledge his presence. And he said, that's, been, that's hidden. That, no, who knew? Who even had a clue that God would move residence inside of a man's body. That's pretty wild. In the Old Testament, that wasn't happening. You'll read about the Spirit of God coming on somebody and then leaving somebody. You'll even read about the Spirit of God in some people, very few, being on the inside of them, the Spirit of God. You'll read that about Moses. You'll read that about uh, Daniel. You'll read that about Joshua, about David. But it's very few people you read that about. Romans chapter 8. You've got a privilege they didn't have. Get Romans chapter 8 and John chapter 7. This is mysterious, guys. There are some people of... uh, of our persuasion that try to make everything in the Bible with all the saints in the Bible all the same. And everything's not the same. We in the church have something that was mysterious that's been hid from every other generation. It's very unique that God would move inside of a body like our body. I can see the angels saying, no, don't go in there.
What a terrible place for God to live inside of a human being. Come on now. Get John chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. Well, how does this happen that there's another man inside? Romans chapter 8 tells us, the Bible says in verse number 9, but ye are not in the flesh. Romans 8, 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his, watch it, verse 10, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So the Spirit of Christ is what is dwelling Christ is in me by His Spirit that dwells in me. He lives inside of me. That is a very, very unique thing that was never happening, especially in a permanent, ever. John chapter 7, we read that from Jesus' own words. In John chapter 7, verse number 38, Jesus said, He that believeth on me... As the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus had to be glorified before the Spirit of God could come dwell within our hearts. And that's, that's why it happened. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave. I'm leaving, but I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. Because I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you here by yourself. Oh, please don't go, Lord. I'm not. Matter of fact, it's even going to be better. Because when I walk with you 12, I couldn't walk with these other 25. And when I was over in Jerusalem, I couldn't be over in Bethsaida. And when I was down in Bethlehem, I couldn't be. But now, as I am glorified, I'm going to send the Comforter. I'm going to send my Spirit inside of every one of you that believe. So there'll be me all over the world. Isn't that great? That's a mystery. And by the way, that's why we can send people out to a foreign mission field and they go out to Navajo land and they don't have the same skin color and they don't have the same background, but they can walk in there and it's just like family. You know why? you got the same person living inside of you. And that's why you can go halfway around the world and sit in a church service and it can even be different and unique or strange. But if those people are born again, there is something inside of you that is just in harmony with what's because it's the same Jesus on the inside. Probably, if we really want to freak people out, maybe the next track we put out is, is there another man inside of you? How would that be? They'd really feed us under the door for that, wouldn't they? 
I tell you what, that's better than all this other schizophrenic stuff. Because this is real. You start telling a, a shrink you're hearing voices. That's what that Greek woman did that I led to Christ over there. She thought she was going crazy. She got saved, man. And she just kept on doing all the stuff she was going to do. And then it was like, whoa. And she, she laughed right in church. I've told you that before. And I said, why are you laughing out loud, Oliver? What's wrong? Because I was teaching on the Holy Ghost. She said, that's what it is. I thought I was going crazy. Somebody's talking to me every time I try to do that. And I'm looking around. Thought I was going nuts. But she said, it's God inside of me. Guys, isn't that great? That's, that's a mystery. I just taught her that a, a, a couple weeks late. <laughs> but I didn't even know she got saved. I mean, she got saved on the street corner. Well, she got the witness. She was one of these. She looked at the people when we witnessed her. She said, look, <laughs> this is what she said after church. I understood the message. I understand the gospel. But I'm not going to get saved because you want me to get saved. Or anybody, I'll get saved when I know that I want to get saved. I said, okay, we just backed off. So she got, boy, God dealt with her and dealt with her. And she got alone in her apartment one day and got on her knees and called out to God and got saved. And came back and, boy, you could just tell. You, you You didn't even have to ask her 20 questions. But immediately, man, you know, she goes to get her cocktail or turn on the TV or do whatever she did before, and all of a sudden, man, what's what's going on? I mean, guys, she's a sinner. We we <laughs> we were just giving her the gospel. We hadn't even taught her yet about not drinking. I mean, that, that that's not the main problem she's got is the drinking. You see, we want her to see that she's going to hell without Jesus. We didn't even got to that. But boy, the Holy Ghost inside of her got to it. And that man got to talking to her about it. That's what I'm saying. If that can happen to somebody that don't even know what's going on, what is wrong with all these people that have grown up in church and God never talks to them? He said this was a hidden mystery. But he says it's now made manifest to his saints. In other words, God's, I'm giving you, the, you know what? God didn't even have to tell us that. He could just moved in and not even told us. And then we would all walk around like we were crazy. But he said, no, I'm explaining this to you. That's a good thing. I'm explaining this to you. That's why I don't get it. You know, people say, don't tell people to invite Jesus in their heart. That's not in the Bible. The truth is, if you call out to the Lord to receive him, he's coming on the inside. Call it what you want. <laughs> he moves in as many as received him. That ain't in my head. That's coming in my body. Your heart, your brain, your body, whatever. I, though I have never heard anybody bow their head and say, Lord Jesus, would you please come in my body? I've never heard anybody say that. It'd be all right. He'd do it. 
but it's mysterious. And he says, I have made that manifest to my saints. Lost people, they, they don't understand. <laughs> they think you're crazy you talk like that. But God gives information to his people that he doesn't give to anybody else. And he gives this hidden mystery to his people. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, Psalm twenty-five, fourteen. His secret is with the righteous, Proverbs three, thirty-two. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world, Jesus said in Matthew thirteen thirty-five. And I'm just saying that Christ in us, the hope of glory, is so much bigger than just the gospel, and it's so much bigger than just the mystery of the church. It's Christ in our own bodies. And I thank him for that. I don't know where I'd be if he wasn't in my body. And by the way, this is a good thing about eternal security. He says, by the way, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now that that means he's out here. See, where is he? Where is Jesus? Where is he? So if he's in here and he says, I'll never leave you, guess what? He's never coming out. He's on the inside and he's there to stay. So, Lord, I think that's why they're able to rejoice in their sufferings. They got somebody else inside of them. So I don't want to live like a person that don't have Jesus on the inside of me. Yeah, amen. Sometimes I do, but I don't want to live that way.